RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. China's economy continues its recovery, growing 4.9% in the third quarter. A district councillor escapes jail time after being convicted of violating a court injunction against doxing the police. And the government pulls its, pulls its proposed vacancy tax aimed at preventing developers from hoarding flats. China's economy grew 4.9% in the third quarter, continuing its recovery from painful coronavirus lockdowns. Timmy Song has details. The 4.9% growth from July to September followed a 3.2% rise in the previous three months and is close to pre-pandemic levels. For the first nine months of the year, the mainland economy has now grown 0.7%, in line with a forecast by the International Monetary Fund that China will be the only major economy likely to expand this year. The new reading was helped by a forecast beating 3.3% jump in retail sales last month suggesting the mainland's army of consumers are returning to shops and restaurants and travelling again. However, officials have warned of continuing uncertainty as COVID-19 continues to ravage other key markets. Iris Pang, chief Greater China economist for ING, says she's encouraged by the new growth figures. The substance actually is surprisingly good. For example, consumption is held up very well because of the cross-provincial travel. And then we have strong industrial production, not because of particularly strong export demand, but also very strong domestic demand. This is, I think, the first time I have seen in over 15 years that domestic demand has override external demand in the manufacturing sector. The chairwoman of Central and Western District Council, Cheng Lai King, has been given a 28-day suspended jail sentence for violating an injunction against doxing the police by sharing a Facebook post. Damon Pang reports. The Democratic Party politician had shared a Facebook post which included the name of a police officer alleged to have shot an Indonesian journalist in the eye during a protest last November. The lawyer for the Department of Justice urged the High Court to jail Ms. Cheng, being as she is a veteran politician and had some 30,000 followers on Facebook. But Ms. Cheng's lawyer, Martin Lee, argued that his client should not be given a heavier sentence simply because of the large number of followers she had on social media. He said she was very remorseful about what had been a mistake and she had deleted the post she shared after reporters and friends reminded her about the injunction. The council chairwoman had pleaded guilty to contempt of court. When she was arrested in March, police originally said they suspected her of a sedition offence. The police have welcomed the ruling, saying it, it believes people would be deterred from doxing officers. Chief Inspector Wilson Fan warned people not to test several court injunctions that remain in force. The two injunction order, once is for, for doxing, uh, relating to the doxing activity. One is uh, about uh, online uh, incitement to violence. And both uh, the injunction order are still in force. And we welcome the uh, sentence uh, by the High Court. And we hope every one of you and the public can uh, obey the law. Because this is uh, fundamental to the rule of law, uh, that uh, we have to obey the order of the court. He also said the force is seeking legal advice on 16 other cases also involving a suspected violation of the court injunction against doxing. The government says it's abandoning its proposed vacancy tax that had been aimed at deterring property developers from hoarding new flats. 
A spokesman cited the current economic conditions and a split within LegCo and in the general community in announcing that the bill would be withdrawn. But he added that officials will keep a close eye on the property market and may reintroduce the proposal in future if necessary. A member of the bill's committee, Liberal Party leader Felix Chung, says this is the right call. It's not too difficult to uh, buy properties right now with a more reasonable price. So the vacancy tax actually couldn't increase the supply of the properties here because the developer are very actively trying to sell out their stocks in hand. So actually the supplies from private housing will be getting less and less. So the stock in hand from the developer will actually getting lesser and lesser. So I don't think the vacancy check will be that effective. The government is also withdrawing another bill that would have introduced premium taxis to Hong Kong, also citing the economy and split views. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. An assault trial against the convener of the now-banned Hong Kong National Party, Chan Ho Tin, has got underway, with a police officer telling the court that he was assaulted by a mob of protesters during a demonstration last year. But the officer didn't say whether he saw the suspect hitting him. Francis Sit reports. Mr Chan has denied taking part in an unlawful assembly and assaulting a police officer near Shenshui MTR station on July the 13th. The court heard from the police officer concerned that he and other officers were surrounded by a shouting crowd of protesters after they did a stop and search near the Shenshui Centre car park. The officer, who was in plain clothes and holding a baton, said they were retreating towards the MTR station when he felt someone slap his helmet. He told the court he turned back and saw a tall man with fair skin, wearing a black mask and black-rimmed glasses, lowering his arm. The man quickly slipped into the crowd, which then started throwing objects like umbrellas and water bottles at the officers, the witness said. The officer denied a defense lawyer's suggestion that he had imagined being hit due to the tense atmosphere. The officer also rejected a suggestion by the defense that someone could have accidentally bumped into him. The trial is expected to last three days. Chief Executive Carrie Lam has declared that she's immune to criticism now and no matter how much more she gets, it won't have any effect on her. She's also told pro-Beijing newspapers that everything she does is to improve Hong Kong and she has no regrets. Timmy Sung has details. Mrs Lam says everything she has done over 40 years of public service has been for the betterment of Hong Kong and in recent years for the country as well. She says she has no regrets and will continue to do her job. It's no big deal if people don't agree with her, she says, as long as she gives her best. Mrs Slam says no matter how much people criticise her, it won't make any difference to her work, and she can't see the point in wasting time reading or listening to negative comments. In her interviews, she also describes the national security law, that has already seen dozens of arrests as having a quick and effective stabilizing effect. She says people no longer have to worry about being attacked by protesters, and the government's next duty is to strengthen people's understanding of the legislation. The CE also says she has decided to stop her monthly question-and-answer sessions in Nashco because she gets a low return from them. The Chief Executive's Office has confirmed a report that Mrs Lam intends to stop attending regular question sessions with lawmakers for now. She had initiated the monthly half-hour session shortly after taking office, but now says she would only resume the practice if the situation in LegCo improves. 
However, her office says she will continue attending the longer, formal question-and-answer sessions with legislators, which take place four times a year. Pro Beijing heavyweight Chang Yuk-sing has used his weekly newspaper column to accuse Carrie Lam of trying to take personal credit for the work of others. Vicky Wong has that story. The founding chairman of the DAB and former LegCo president said since Mrs Lam took up the top job, she appeared to have, quote, further developed the black box operation of the policy address, personally taking over the drafting of the report, the degree of which is far beyond that of other chief executives. The top pro-establishment figure also noted that in her policy address last year, the CE mentioned the word I 55 times, as opposed to we referring to the government. Mr Jung wrote, personalised references are understandable. However, to adopt policy measures adopted by the government and then unceremoniously appropriate them as your own seems to be Lam's unique style. Health officials reported 15 new COVID-19 cases in Hong Kong today with just one local case and all the rest classified as imported ones. For the third day in a row, there were no cases with an unknown source. Meantime, the Department of Health has apologised over a mistake in which a staff member of the Indian consulate was mistakenly exempted from quarantine and allowed to go home before he tested positive for COVID-19. Wendy Wong has details. The 25-year-old man flew into Hong Kong from India last Thursday with proof of a negative coronavirus test along with details of his employment with the Indian consulate here. As a consular staff member, officials determined that he was exempted from the quarantine arrangements and allowed him to leave the airport after collecting a saliva sample from him. The department said the consulate then arranged a car to take the man from the airport to his home in Pok Fu Lam, where he was placed under medical surveillance. However, tests on his sample came back positive and he was taken to a public hospital later on the same day. Upon reviewing the case, officials then found out that the man does not belong to a rank under which he should have been exempted and should have been quarantined in a hotel room like anyone else. In a statement, the department said the patient had told them he did not leave his home before his test results came back. A spokesman said the department expresses its apologies for inappropriate quarantine arrangement and has reminded relevant staff to be prudent when handling quarantine exemption arrangements to avoid a recurrence. Medical Association Chief Choi Kin has warned that any move to force patients with respiratory symptoms to undergo COVID-19 tests could put people off visiting their doctor altogether. The government has recently said it's looking at expanding the scope of mandatory coronavirus testing, but Dr Choi says people who feel only slightly unwell might avoid seeking treatment, while making those who do visit clinics take the test could damage the trust between doctors and patients. They're not supposed to reveal their personal problems to the authorities unless in some specific circumstances, such as child abuse and so on. So if the patient do not agree to compulsory COVID testing and you report him to the authorities and there may be a risk of imprisonment, that would not be agreeable. They'll be snitching on their patient. Large crowds of protesters have again gathered in the Thai capital, Bangkok, as the government threatens to close down news organisations. They want the resignation of the Prime Minister, Prachanocha, and political reform. This includes curbs on the monarchy, which is usually above criticism in Thailand. For several days, protesters have defied a government order which bans demonstrations. Kisana Pathanacharyon is a spokesman for the Thai police. The objective behind this order is because we receive information from intelligence units concerned at that part of the content.
and distorted information have been used and disseminated to cause confusion and instigation causing an unrest in the society. Police in the Pacific Island nation of Fiji are investigating a fight between officials from the mainland and Taiwan, which left one Taiwanese man needing hospital treatment. The altercation erupted at a hotel event to celebrate Taiwan's National Day earlier this month. It's thought to have begun when two Chinese embassy officials gate-crashed the function. A cake emblazoned with the Taiwanese flag appears to have, appears to have angered the bureaucrats. Sports news now. The Hong Kong swimmer Siobhan Hohe has made a record-breaking start at the International Swimming League in Budapest. Uh, Adam Cheung has details. Hong Kong's Siobhan Hohe has three national records and two Asian records so far at the ISL meeting in Budapest. She completed the 200-meter freestyle in 1 minute 51.67 to break her own Asian record, which was set during the ISL finals last season. She's also tied the American Olympic champion Alison Schmidt as the seventh fastest of all time, just 1.24 off the world record. On Saturday, Hahi set a new Asian record in the 100 freestyle. A time of 51.59 puts her above Japan's Rikako Ike. She also set a Hong Kong record in the 400 freestyle in a time of 3 minutes 58.58, beating the previous mark by almost 7 seconds. Hahi is racing for the Paris-based Energy Standard Swim Team, captained by the South African Olympic champion Chad Claw. They're one of 10 teams competing in this second edition of the ISL. In baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers have booked their place in the World Series for the third time in four years, with a 4-3 win in Game 7 over the Atlanta Braves. They'll face the Tampa Bay Rays in the 2020 Fall Classic, which starts Wednesday morning Hong Kong time. Kevin Cash is the Rays manager. Pretty special feeling. I don't know if I've had many, many better other than getting married and, and having three kids. Uh, this is right there, uh, right there below that. It can't get much better than that. This is a special group to be a part of. It's fun to see them win games and, and just to be a part of it. A reminder of our top stories tonight. China's economy continues its recovery, growing 4.9% in the third quarter. A district councillor escapes jail time after being convicted of violating a court injunction against doxing the police. And the government pulls its proposed vacancy tax aimed at preventing developers from hoarding flats. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 it's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. China's economy grew 4.9% in the third quarter, continuing its recovery from painful coronavirus lockdowns. That's up from an increase of 3.2% during the previous three-month period, but falls short of most analysts' expectations. Officials, too, warn of continuing uncertainty as COVID-19 continues to ravage other key markets. But Iris Pang, chief Greater China economist for ING, says she's encouraged by the new growth figures. She spoke to Joanne Wong. If we look at the details of the GDP number, the substance, the substance actually is surprisingly good. For example, consumption is held up very well because of the cross-provincial travel. And then we have strong industrial production, not because of particularly strong export demand, but also 
very strong domestic demand. This is, I think, the first time I have seen in over 15 years that domestic demand has override external demand in the manufacturing sector. And then investment is also good, but it is good because mostly because of the medical investments and also technology investments and also property investments. Do you see that this trend is sustainable? The trend is sustainable for the ongoing, I think, 12 months. If there is no particularly intense pressure from the technology war, we don't expect much change in the trade war. And another important factor is that although I price in the COVID situation in Europe and US, I didn't expect further escalation of COVID damages in the world. If that's not the case, that means if COVID does more damages than I expect in the coming 12 months, then the risk of the GDP forecast will be on the downside rather than on the upside. Indeed, we are seeing a worsening of the pandemic situation outside of China uh, that is going on right now. The National Bureau of Statistics also warned about this, and there are still uncertainties from the global environment as well, be it geopolitical tensions, the trade war. So how should we view the headwinds from all these factors? The trade war, I don't think that it is going to there is a high chance that it is going to deteriorate much from here. What about but U.S. The, presidential election? That is the variable factor, but we forecast a bigger chance of Biden's win rather than Trump's win. So the trade war factor will still be there, even if Biden wins, but it will not deteriorate. But for the technology factor, no matter who wins, it will deteriorate towards China from U.S. So this is a factor that I already priced in. And this is not a factor that only affects the coming 12 months. It is a factor that affects the coming five years. But China is not going to sit back and just wait for the blackmail to come. In terms of data, we have already seen that China is doing something R&D and also production to grab as much advanced technology as they can. For the fourth quarter and for your forecast, do you expect the mainland's economic growth to further pick up? For the fourth quarter forecast, we have already revised upward to 5.5%. So it will be better than this quarter, 4.9%. The main growth is still consumption, but more, there will be more growth from investments into medical sector and also technology sector. Okay. And the full year is now 1.7%. Thailand's embattled prime minister has said that there are no plans to extend a state of emergency outside the capital, even as student-led protests calling for him to leave office spread around the country. Police, however, have indicated they're working to censor coverage of the demonstrations. RTHK's Bangkok correspondent Larry Jagan told Anna-Marie Evans that the rallies are far from over, adding that protesters are now leaving Twitter and turning to other types of social media to keep their movement going. Well, it's, it's relatively quiet at the moment, uh, but there, there is an expectation that uh, later this, this afternoon, uh, this evening, that students may reappear on the streets. They're keeping their plans fairly secret, um, as they have done uh, over the weekend, suddenly notifying their supporters at the last minute where the demonstration was going to be. Um, because Twitter seems now to be the main source of 
information sharing, uh, and they are worried that the police may have access to it or be monitoring it. So they're now actually telling people to use Telegram, which they believe is uh, a much more secure uh, um, uh, application. So the, 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 the demonstrations are far from over. Uh, at, at this stage, the focus really is on the government. Um, there have been mixed messages coming from Prayut. Uh, over over the uh, early part of the weekend, he's, he's, he took a very tough line, threatening the demonstrators. Uh, but more recently, uh, and, and this morning, um, he's sort of suggesting that uh, they were prepared to listen to protesters' complaints and concerns uh, and, and take them on board. So the big question really is, what is the government's next step? Yes, because, I mean, they've been issuing a, you know, a decree saying that you, you can't have gatherings of more than four people, which seem to be largely ignored. Um, how, how serious is this situation going to get? This situation is already extremely serious. Now, it may not be uh, a situation uh, akin to what happened in Hong Kong last year, because I think the students here uh, are looking at using different tactics. But the very fact that for six days almost after the decree was was uh, announced, that it didn't prevent them getting onto the streets and protesting. Uh, the students really, according to some of my friends uh, who, who admire what they're doing but aren't prepared to demonstrate themselves, uh, they're, they're fearless um, and they are pushing. They have a moral authority in the sense that they're demanding uh, democratic reform. They're demanding genuine democracy uh, and uh, uh, checks and balances that most democracies would have. Uh, and, and, and undoubtedly, the middle classes and uh, academics are increasingly voicing uh, their support for the students, or more particularly, they're really very much against violence. So the, the government is in a cleft stick. If it pursues the violent uh, crackdown on demonstrations. It's likely to provoke even more demonstrators. It's, it's provoking anger amongst academics and, and even uh, celebrities, pop stars are, are supporting them. Um, this has to go to the parliament. This is the only, only solution. Uh, and, and many people are suggesting, academics in particular, that what we need is a, a cabinet reshuffle and for prior to, to really sort of reset uh, the, the situation. Could we see Priot stepping down? I doubt it very much. Um, I think Priot is determined to uh, see it out. Um, it's not the sort of thing that, that he's likely to do. After all, he comes from a military background. Uh, we've seen lots of evidence that uh, he really doesn't understand what uh, democratic values are. Um, but if if the middle classes, if the big businesses begin to fear that, that actually they're going to suffer uh, with prolonged protests, and in fact they're looking at what happened in Hong Kong last year, and, and that frightens them. Uh, and at the same time, they understand that they need to open up the economy, they need to uh, get tourists back, um, and that anything uh, that, like uh, what happened in Hong Kong, and I'm not suggesting that would happen, uh, would, would, would deter visitors. And, and, and if the business and middle class begin to really come out uh, privately and support 
the student movement, or rather the demands of the student movement, uh, then uh, Prayot may be forced uh, to to resign, but I doubt it. I, I, his, his inclination definitely is to see it out um, and, and, and to feel his way, which is why we're getting these mixed messages from government. New research seems to suggest that exposure to cold prompts the production of a hibernation protein that experts think might protect our brains from the ravages of dementia and decay. The BBC's Justin Rowlatt has this story. Now, the idea of going for a swim may not seem very appealing on a cold winter morning like this, especially when it's raining and the pool water is just 7 degrees centigrade. But... Oh! oh what it's sounding is refreshing. Your whole body kind of screams in shock. But if you... If you can bring yourself to stay in the water for a little while, then you do begin to adjust and you can uh, you can actually start to get a few a few lengths in and it now seems cold water swimming may offer more than just an exhilarating thrill scientists have discovered that being very cold can actually protect your brain six years ago we reported a study that showed cold mice developed more of a protein associated with hibernation what we did in the mouth by, by cooling them was we boosted that hibernation response, which drives the regenerative process. The study found this protein can protect and even repair the damage dementia does. The obvious next step was to see if humans develop the protein too. But Professor Giovanna Malucci of Cambridge University says it's hard to persuade ethics committees to let you make people hypothermic which is where the Hampstead Heath Lido and its swimmers come in. It's warm, it's warm, yeah. Oh! Well, we're from the north, so we can handle it. <laughs> I was driving my daughter to school, and um, John Humphreys was interviewing Giovanna on the radio. Martin Pate is a Lido regular. I just had the idea that we have a cohort of people here that regularly get cold, and can we translate that through to that kind of uh, environment. So what did you do? So I sent her an email on that day. She came back straight away. Dozens of Lido swimmers agreed to be tested by the scientists leading the study. Hi everyone, I've met some of you before and it's really nice to see you all again. Now they're gathered beside the chilly pool to hear the results of Professor Malucci's work. We compared you to a bunch of people doing Tai Chi who didn't get cold and None of them get increased levels of this protein, but, but many of you did. So what does it tell us? It tells us that cold does induce this protein in humans. You are the first sort of non-patient cohort to show that cold water swimming raises this protective protein, which is pretty cool. The challenge now is to find a drug that stimulates the production of the protein in humans and to see if it really does help delay dementia. For anyone having trouble sleeping, listening to relaxing sounds or white noise has long been an option to try to relax. Apps that offer up hours of sleeping tracks are used by people across the world. But research suggests there's no good evidence they work. And in fact, they may even make things worse. The BBC's Stephanie Prentice has been finding out more. From the gentle hum of a ceiling fan to birdsong 
and remixed Rainstorms. Sound-based apps such as the Bedtime Fan App on Apple and White Noise Generator on Android have been downloaded millions of times. They're thought to drown out distractions and trigger a sleep response. However, psychiatry professors from the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine in Philadelphia collated evidence from 38 studies into insomnia and concluded there was no proof that they worked and in fact one case suggested the noise may disrupt sleep. Colin Epsey is a leading professor of sleep medicine at the University of Oxford. He's been following the research and explained why apps may actually encourage insomnia. I think there's an intuitive idea that you need to block things out uh, somehow so you can get to sleep. But in fact, there's, there's not really much evidence that people's difficulties in falling asleep are caused by external noise that you need to block out in the first place. So I actually use these kind of apps and I use um, videos with binaural beats and white noise to sleep and it works for me. Why do you think it does work for some people? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't work scientifically. Things that may work for some people occasionally um, could be down to placebo effect or lots of other reasons. Uh, it's really the power of marketing over evidence. See, I would say having some sort of noise going on would help me with my racing thoughts or anything I was worried about. There's been studies done using uh, sound stimulation way back from the 1970s onwards. It's never really shown to be all that effective. But you tend to get used to noises. Uh, you tend to get familiarised with them and they stop having the, the beneficial power that they, they might otherwise have. If people have got a difficulty getting asleep, this is not the solution. Not the solution scientifically, but if thunderstorms are working for you, the advice would be keep going until your brain gets bored of them. Those stories were part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Todd Harding from our newsroom. Fight the virus, stay vigilant. If you think you have a higher risk of COVID-19 exposure or experience discomfort, you can collect specimen bottles for free testing from designated public clinics. Meanwhile, the government will arrange free testing for targeted groups. To minimize the risk of community transmission, we should take the initiative to get tested. Together, we must fight the virus. Stay vigilant. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to Listeners, feeling kind of lonesome, lonely, and look forward to beautiful, beautiful music coming your way from Radio 3. None but a lonely heart, mental violence. 
None but the Lonely Heart. Played by Mentovani. I knew with you are just a memory, just a memory, just a memory, just a memory. That is all that's left to me. I guess it's just a memory Just a memory 